On this episode, we talk with entrepreneur and fine art photographer, Steve Stanton. I hope this episode inspires you and shows you that you're not so far from where you want to be. Anyways, hey, so we're here, we're live. Uh, for all you who are tuning in on uh, Facebook, welcome to How'd You Get Here? Uh, the show where we connect with creatives, entrepreneurs, artists, and successful business people to find out how they got from where they were to where they are. And um, I'm super stoked about this episode because I have my buddy uh, and great friend, uh, Steve Stanton, uh, on here. And he's he's my uh, hero. And I really wouldn't be where I am uh, if it wasn't for Steve. So, uh, Steve, thanks so much for being on our show and Man. being our first uh, guest. Thanks I mean, for how me. cool is that? You know, it's like I'm trying to think of. Uh, someone was asking me, and I was like, I, I don't even know how long I've known you. My thought is, is that, I mean, were we teenagers or like young, young twenties? Oh, we had when to we be met because you were in a band. Yep. Uh, so I'm thinking like, a ha- and we were playing like CD like places and. I think we were young. I think we were not of legal drinking age. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. Not of legal drinking age. So maybe like 19. I think so. 19 or 20. Yeah. Yeah. That so, sounds about right. Which is crazy to it's think. It's been a long time. It has. Yeah, it has. So anyways, um, we're here and, you know, the whole idea really is to talk to you about, um, you know, kind of where you came from, the things that uh, maybe the person you kind of used to be when you were younger mm. and um, and then kind of how you ended up where you are. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, you know, Steve is a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, he's an amazing uh, fine art photographer. He's super creative. Um, and he is just an all around successful um, person. And so I thought he'd be uh, a great person to talk to about, um, you know, kind of how he got to where he is. So, you know, why don't you give us maybe a, a glimpse of, you know, where you came from as far as like, you know, where you grew up, what kind of, um, you know, person you were maybe in high school and, um, you know, were you super smart and did you have, you know, the silver spoon of, you know, finances so that you could kind of go off and do whatever um, it is or, you know, whatever. So, you know, I, I just want to hear like kind of that, that story from you. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, I was born and raised in a north suburb of Denver, so I've been in Colorado my whole life. I don't, I don't ever remember touching a camera until after high school anyway, um, so I, don't, I, I never really had a, a beginning in, in uh, photography or the arts per se. I think I was just, um, I don't know, maybe, hopefully, uh, I suppose, a little stereotypical um, you know, middle-class kid that just sort of grew up, uh, hung around uh, the, the friends that I had in the neighborhood and um, just tried to figure out who I was, uh, still am. But you know, when you're young, you're, you're just trying to figure out where you fit in and that sort of thing. So in high school, I was very quirky. Um, <laughs> I, I have a few things working against me. <laughs> what does that Mark mean, knows, quirky? Well, the, the first quirk is this. Uh, for those who don't know, many do, Mark does, uh, I am colorblind. And why this matters, not just because I'm a photographer, but it, it, it really bled into my early life because 
I didn't really know how to dress either. So I believe, and I also ended up marrying my wife, Jamie, uh, who I, whom I dated in high school. Uh, thank heavens she looked past that or thought it was maybe like some sort of really eccentricity. I don't know. But uh, like, oh, he's so creative. Yeah, very look creative. Close. <laughs> I think I had. I think there was one point in time when I had like lime green shorts on with a polyester purple shirt. I have no idea why, uh, but it worked. Okay, I got yeah. myself a wife. As a matter of fact, this might be uh, a nice technique for anyone. <laughs> Willing to think. Well, and it's hopeful, too, for all those people out there, you know, who are hoping someday to be married. It's like, hey. Hey, I'm just saying what works. Way out on the fringes. Yeah. So I was a weird man. Um, I mean, I I, I, I didn't – I belong to every clique. If you ask – this is my own perception. I I belong to every clique and yet no clique. Um, I didn't dedicate myself to any one thing. I did play sports all through high school, uh, both soccer and golf. Highly recommend golf. Uh, and then I was a musician as where I met you, um, but I was never in band um, because I grew up in Denver. We would snowboard all the time. Uh, so I sort of belonged to all of these cliques and I kind of knew everybody. And, and I think that's who I am at my core is I love um, – just kind of connecting with uh, all different types of people. It's what interests me. Hmm. And it certainly interested me there uh, and then. Uh, so maybe that's what I learned in high school. Um, you know, it sort of facilitated itself in music hmm. um, around that time. Uh, but my favorite aspect of music has always been just playing in front of people where we all share one song or, if you will, that one sort of story and everyone's singing. Uh, I felt like I can belong. I felt like I belonged in those situations. Um, So photographically, and when I started horsing around with a camera, I think it kind of just was a really natural progression to have a camera and be invited into all of these other circles, these little circles of life. And, uh, so did you, did you pick up a camera in high school or, or when did you, when did you pick up a camera and really get interested in, in doing, you know, photography? Yeah, this was after high school. Um, okay. so when, when I was in a band after, uh, both in and after high school, um, you know, we went to Nashville, we cut some records, uh, we had, uh, a friend of ours, an artist, uh, photograph our album cover. And that was the first time that I really got to see myself, a different opinion of who I was, hmm. uh, um, if that makes any sense. So I'd always seen myself through a singular lens, what I thought myself to be um, and all of my insecurities. This was the first time where I actually got to uh, – sort of be um, witness to someone else's opinion of, of me. And I liked it. Uh, I mean, I obviously I felt like a rock star and the photos were really great and it, it was transformative. And I thought that is a really great experience for everyone to have is just someone else's opinion of who they are. And as long as that opinion is positive, uh, it, it's transformative. So... Um, picking up a camera, 
I would probably say maybe, well, no. Um, so here, so I, I do know the way in which I got a camera. So after music, so I was around 2021. 20, mm-hmm. uh, and this was right after I left the band that we were in. Um, I actually went to work for a telecommunication company and just as a sales rep, hmm. uh, ended up winning a, a Canon Rebel. But at the time, this was the Canon Rebel was a film, 35 mil film. Okay. It was, it was pre-digital. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so I just figured, hey, I won this camera. Let's throw some film at it and just go shoot pictures of flowers and everything else that everybody starts out doing. <laughs> right. Uh, and because of the base foundation, which was – uh, we obviously I knew a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, and we didn't really know a lot of uh, photographers. So everybody wanted, or, or at least was willing to be photographed by me. And so this this era of experimentation really happened, which was I could photograph bands, I could photograph different artists, kind of find my voice. Um, yeah, because there wasn't a whole lot of people doing it. Um, which eventually led to me photographing uh, a mutual friend of ours' wedding. Um, so that that so essentially, from the time that you got your camera, um, you just started learning about light and you know aperture, shutter speed, all this kind of stuff. It's kind of self teaching. Sure, kind of yeah. Self-taught. And this was like pre YouTube days. So <laughs> I mean, you probably had to go to like a library and. <laughs> find a book and read about how to do these things. And, you know, especially working with film, I mean, these that's like, I mean, there's a lot there. I mean, light meter and sure. you know, a bunch of other things that, you know, we don't think about, especially in today's day and age. And because I kind of came into photography a little bit later in the game where mm. I could just tweak things until it looked the way I wanted to on the screen. But you kind of were like pre, pre that. Well, I think film, I mean, yes, you don't get the instant gratification of looking at your uh, pictures digitally and and making some decisions but i mean i went to a one-hour lab and developed Mm -hmm. and i bought all my film at king supers so i was i wasn't really going for a A grocery store (laughs) yeah i mean they they used to sell film at the grocery store and i just kept it on the cheap um I don't remember going to any libraries or, or even, I mean, the internet in those days, uh, doing a lot of research. I think it was all very, very organic. Cause and effect. I do a thing, I get the uh, prints back, and I see what those things did. Um, I think that's how I started a little bit of an understanding of, of – what was going on now very quickly because it just happened to be that we were in this stage, uh, this time, um, digital cameras just actually came on the scene. I remember the very first camera my folks actually ended up buying, which was the Nikon D100. And it was crazy. It was awesome. It was expensive. It was six megapixels. Uh, so it was tiny, tiny little thing, but it, um, opened the door to this whole new world of experimentation. So I would say this, um, kind of saving myself from uh, putting myself in, into the same realm as this wonderful history and lineage of film photographers. I dabbled in film 
all of my early work is terrible. Uh, <laughs> and quickly moved on to digital, loved every second of it, and I've been there ever since. Um, I'm certainly not against film. I, I love it. The people who do it do it very well. It's amazing. Uh, but I wouldn't consider myself a film child. I, I think it's just what I had at the time, uh, scrappiness. And I've been scrappy ever since, but that's... So really, it was kind of out of necessity, really, that you picked up a camera and started working with bands and other things like that. It was, it was just essentially whatever realm you were in, you thought, well, let me just use this skill that I'm learning and use it to help other people or further what I'm doing. You know? I, I think so. I think so. Um, the only thing that I would add to that is there's a major part of who we are that we just want to figure out who we are. Mm. Um, so I don't think I had any objective. I don't think I was trying to fill a hole or uh, learn an art form or, or even monetize some sort of art that I, I didn't have any of those uh, recollections. I think I just wanted I just wanted to know who I was. And art definitely helps still to this day, helps flush out um, ideas in my head. Um, basically, anything I don't have the words to describe, I can photograph or flush out via a guitar. Or Art helps because it's, it's a language that, generally speaking, doesn't involve words. Hmm. So I think I was just trying to figure out, again, who I was. Hmm. So let's go back. Uh, you work in telecommunications. Mm -hmm. You got this camera. Uh, so you started kind of taking pictures on the side, yeah. you know, learning your craft. And then, you know, what did you do from the telecommunications? Where did you land from there? Mm. And, you know, kind of continuing on as you get better and better at photography. Um yeah, yeah. What is it, what does that look like? So you know where so where are we at now? Telecommunications. Yep. Got your camera. Yep. I mean, all of this is tumultuous time. Yeah. So I did get my camera in telecommunications. Started shooting. Um, I ended up leaving that company uh, for a resurgence of music for a while because mm -hmm. I thought, man, this is going to be great. Ended up getting back uh, with some musicians. Um, but so then, when, yeah. sorry. When you were younger, did you ever think like was it you wanted to be a musician or mm. when you were young what did you what did you want to do when you grew up? You know, like what did sure. you think? I mean, did you go to college or anything like that? I mean, thinking you wanted You're to specialize. You're really digging deep here, buddy. <laughs> no, okay, I'll listen, I'll try to shorthand it as yeah. best as I can, but you know, for me really, just all you have to know is I'm a goofy I'm a goofy kid locked in uh, a kind of a protective bubble of my own creation, very naive. And I'm just kind of playing with the world around me the only way I know how, which is through art. So uh, when I was growing up and young, um, I – well, let me, let me try to answer your questions. I never went to college. Um, I got married when I was 20. Not that that's an excuse, but uh, – 
college never really factored into any of the equation. I thought I was going to be a musician. Now, I ended up getting into music uh, early on in my kind of mid-teens due to some mischief. Um, and uh, the church that I was going to at the time, the worship pastor uh, was able to sort of find an outlet for me. He said, hey, I'll, I'll teach you an instrument hmm. and sort of guide me uh, away from the mischief, um, which was great. It obviously sent me on a trajectory. Um, f- uh, photographically, of course, that didn't happen until much later uh, after high school. So um, I think that's what it is. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I hope that it's it's a similar to maybe most people's stories. I didn't have any idea of who I wanted to be. I didn't have any jobs that I wanted to do. Uh, my my one thought is I've always wanted to be a pilot. I love flying. I always wanted to be a pilot. Uh, and as a matter of fact, when I got my permit, my driver's permit, um, that was that was really truly the the day that I learned that I was. Uh, fairly severely colorblind uh, because they give you all those color tests <laughs> and the, like, the little uh-oh. bubbles. And I was like, dude, I can't on. see any of this stuff. Uh, you know, they ask you to write the number that you see. And I was like, I, I don't understand any of it. There's no numbers. So as soon as I realized that, and that definitely took piloting off of the uh, the want list. You can't be a pilot if you're colorblind? Mm-mm. Not to my knowledge, unless technology has changed. Hey, you know, comment below if you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I'm destined for maybe <laughs> hey. doing this stuff. Captain Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's 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 all I wanted to do. Uh, you know. Um, now I am fairly philosophical, as you know. I always think that way. So my my deal is this: I always want to just hang out, be part of the crew, enjoy friendships like you. Um, but I think as we find our voices as kids, as, as teens, uh, et cetera, my voice was always, I wanted to be clever. I wanted to be unique and different. Um, I didn't know how to join the conversation, but I sure as heck could start a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think I think that's where I sort of prided myself on um, or, ch- or really what I would say is challenging myself to kind of live this little bit of a different life to go do these really bizarre things. And so I can have uh, some interest, you know, when I hang out with some buds and, and be the guy that's slightly interesting. <laughs> All, you are slightly interesting. <laughs> it's like, know a little bit about everything. Yeah, just yeah. enough to be dangerous. It's like, <laughs> cryptocurrency, done. <laughs> Woodworking done. Oh, we're not even there yet. That's all later. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, you're getting into photography. You know, yeah. you kind of had a, you know, young teens getting into music, whatnot. But kind of working a day job, doing music, getting a camera, working a day job, and you yeah. kind of continue on this path. Um, so, you know, what were you doing, and where were you at when you kind of felt like I think I want to get paid to pursue my art totally you know like yeah 
well, what were you doing? You know, it's like, and, and was that an easy transition or, you know, how did, how did that, how did that work? Sure. I know exactly where I was. So this, this will kind of bring you into the fold here. So fast forward forward a few years, mm -hmm. I end up working. So now I'm working in Longmont, uh, at a graphic design print company. And as an, as one of the only, uh, male account managers, and there might be, I don't even know, maybe 15 account managers. Um, so I'm still just goofing around. Uh, photography is just a, just a hobby at that point. Um, but now uh, I work with all of these females who, uh, you know, uh, I could ask to photograph or that, that are willing subjects for me to sort of <laughs> flush out ideas. Sounds uh, it weird. sounds sketch. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds sketch. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we, I'm, they must have took pity on me. I'm not really sure yeah, like, what happened. This guy looks funny. <laughs> that's right. There oh. are moments of serendipity. That's one of them. So I ended up using all of them as just models in one way or uh, another. So did you, when you kind of started doing photography, you obviously gravitated towards bands and stuff because that was in your realm. And sure. then did you, as you were getting more and more into it, did you start to have a passion for like fashion photography or, you know, landscape photography? Like, you know, when did that? Mm, yeah, sure. Like of course. start to narrow down or. I mean, the passion for me was never, and still hasn't been to this day. Um, what industry within photography can I do and how can I monetize it? I don't right. know if I've ever thought that. Yeah. Uh, the passion in photography that comes is, uh, how I feel, how I felt when I first got photographed, which was so rewarded and so lifted up, mm -hmm. uh, someone else's positive uh, opinion of us. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that is probably my single biggest narrative when I photograph is uh, how can I uh, implement things such as good light, uh, good backdrop, um, and elevate my subject's opinion of themselves. So it first bled into kind of that fashion entertainment market of um, just wanting to make incredibly pretty pictures uh, and hopefully with what, I, what we would call average normal Joes. Mm -hmm. So that that way, everyone deserves to look and feel like a rock star. Uh, and that's what has sort of kept me uh, all along the way so um yeah i guess that's it did i yeah answer that no i think i think that's good so you're working for a, a design or a, a sign company mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so at that sign company what were some of the things you had to do in order to like do your job i mean do you learn any skills there at your job that kind of crossed over into you know Sure. Having your own business and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they never, I never got paid to uh, photograph anything or, right. or anything like that. Um, but eventually, and, and I was there for maybe a little less than four years. So, you know, let's just say the first three years I put in my time, I just worked like every other person and uh, did weddings on the side, shot photo shoots on the weekends, that sort of thing. And uh, my boss, uh, who I would consider one of my mentors to this day, 
uh, a gentleman named Rod Rackley. Um, I think he was probably one of the first to utilize me in some of that capacity. So then at Circle Graphics, I was uh, not only an account manager, but then I was able to photograph uh, different signage they had or um, even dabbled in video just to post little videos that they needed. But they saw, they. I think what happened was they didn't have a multimedia department. They saw that I had a, a bit of skill in that area. Mm-hmm. And so they set me to work on that. Um, and of course I was excited just for the opportunity to learn something. So that was, that all probably took place the last year that I was there. And what ended up happening really was the, the wedding work ramped up and, you know, Kind of the normal, I would imagine this was probably a very similar uh, uh, point in time that many entrepreneurs get to, which is I didn't seek out to start a business as much as I took the opportunities as they came. So for me, it was weddings. And the more weddings that I took, uh, the more, or I should say the less sick time and vacation time I had. That was all bleeding away because I was using it to... uh, photograph weddings and that sort of thing until I got to a point where I had no more time left to take and my client uh, roster was growing. Mm. And so it was just a very natural next step of quitting Circle Graphics and going out on my own. My mentor, Rod, um, who thankfully was my boss, had sort of extended this olive branch to me that said, hey, go get out of here, go try it, go do it. Wow. And you've got a job if, you if it know, work out. Yeah, if the crap hits the fan. So <laughs> I said, okay, let's just do this. And that was 11 years ago. And I've never, I just haven't ever looked back since. So, wow. That's pretty, I mean, that seems like, um, you know, almost like the perfect scenario as far as, you know, was there times when you were working that you wanted to jump off sooner or did it, almost naturally just organically just happened to where you were getting enough work and it was almost like, I'm just going to take this leap. Cause I know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there and I think, uh, there was a time when I was in a season of, you know, wanting to make that leap, you know, to be full time, um, you know, working for myself or creative or just doing something else that I kind of owned, but not, um, really having so much, uh, work or opportunity that, it made it easy to do that. Sure. Yeah. Well, let me say this. This is what I would say. I think my analogy in this would be instead of uh, having more of a predator mindset uh, in that I have this desire to go out and accomplish a thing and what were the barriers that I needed to cross over in order to accomplish said thing, I wasn't ever that way. I was more opportunistic. Um I sort of just gladly uh, gobbled up any work that came my way. And from that digestion of the work, I learned what I liked and what I didn't like. In essence, uh, the food that I enjoyed to eat and the food that I didn't want to eat again. And so I've just always sort of been an opportunistic kind of guy. Now, I think that when this bleeds into business, which is – I mean – an amazing thing to think about uh, for anyone who is starting or in the midst of developing their their company is, you know, 
when you start off opportunistic, it's great because I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I like or don't like. I don't know anything. Hmm. And so the best thing that I could do is take everything, if you will. Uh, and then I can learn what I like and don't like and feed the things that I like. Um, uh, and, and as the other things sort of die off, that's where I would say that's, that's how my trajectory was. I never, ever sought out to photograph weddings. I never thought I would. It's crazy to me to this day that I ever shoot weddings. It's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, beyond being married and having my own wedding, uh, I didn't attend a lot of them. I didn't, I still don't, you know, uh, get gaga over vows or uh, the pomp and circumstance of the day. I love them for the simple aspect of it's a milestone in, in a human being's life, um, which uh, uh, is this kind of powder keg that will cement memories and uh, and that that all that chemistry I can kind of play with a little bit uh, meaning I can kind of heighten it uh, amplify it if you will if they want to get married in the mountains because it's so beautiful then I want to be the guy that takes them to the top of the mountain uh, if that's where they want to go um, because I want to give them an experience that that um sort of transcends time. It's very pictorial in that way, uh, an image that, yes, it's frozen, so pictures are always things of the past, but they transcend all time, and that's what I enjoy. Um, weddings and fine art, to me, are almost synonymous, if you will. Um, I don't switch my brain. You know, if I'm shooting a wedding, I don't switch my brain into a wedding mode. And then when I go shoot fine art or still life or whatever I do, I switch to another mode. I think I'm always just digesting life as beautifully and as compositionally as I can. Hmm. It's, uh, you know, if what happens is if normal human beings are looking at life and it sounds like chaos and random disorganization, I think it takes an artist to understand or listen and to uh, aggregate uh, the poetry and the rhythm because mm -hmm. underneath everything is this beautiful rhythm uh, to life. And if you can photograph it or play it out or paint it or whatever you want to do, um, and you just you get to give the world a sense of clarity and understanding that uh, is definitely my heart language. Yeah. Wow. So – you know, during um, you know during that season of you starting you know your business and stuff like that, was there ever difficult times? I mean, did, did you ever run into a time where you're like, man, I I don't know if I should go back to getting a job or um, you know this is difficult or you know were you just one of the lucky ones who kind of continued to just grow and grow and grow? And I mean, I, I would say you know being on the outsider, I mean, you're just really good at what you do, so. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that you're good to people. And I think because of those two things, you know, you've had a lot of success. Sure. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had a fair bit of success, which I love, and I've, and I've had a fair bit of failure. I think, and I still fail uh, every single day. 
I mean, that is it is a good question mark. Um, and what I'm let me see where I'm uh, kind of wafting, but basically, my failures early on I learned from quickly because I think I have this bizarre temperament that's actually, if I will, I'm scared of failure. Maybe hmm. most are, but so every time I fail, that fear sort of cemented uh, the characteristics of the failure within my mind. So every time I failed, I learned quickly, simply because of fear. I just didn't want to uh, fail in that way. Right. Um, it's almost like you make a mistake, like you touch the stove, it was hot, you're like, I'm not touching the stove again. Yeah, exactly, because, <laughs> dude, I'm, I got burned. This, right. this stuff sucks. Uh, so that's exactly what that's happened. That's interesting. Yeah, man. I've, I've, uh, uh, the only thing I can say is, I ha- I've had a fair bit of failure, and I fall back continuing time and time again, no matter what, on the pure grace and love uh, that my clients have shown me. Uh, you know, I've, I, I swing for the fences, I, I aim for the home run, and sometimes I get a single, and sometimes I strike out. And no matter what, I think all my clients uh, – and the people who tend to gravitate towards what I do and who I am are just very receptive, kind, and open to me just going out and and just trying with all my heart to create the frames or create the photos or whatever it is I'm going to do. And it'll be okay if it fails. Hmm. Um, and I'm going to do right by them, and they've been doing right by me. So it's... I think the the nugget of success that I've had over more than a decade now is just uh, take care of your clients. Figure out who your clients are and take care of them no matter what. Uh, don't worry about succeeding all of the time uh, because they'll take care of you and uh, you know, just make sure that you respect that and enjoy it and uh, – that's what I've been doing so far. Hmm. Nice. So I know you have, um, I know you have another business. Uh, yeah. Another company that you started <laughs> called um, Artisan Obscura. Yeah, right? you said it right. Did I say it right. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> it's so artsy. <laughs> it's like it's some French word yeah, that I can't pronounce properly. Basically, the most okay. artsy thing you can think of. <laughs> what does it mean? Artisan Obscura? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what it, what doesn't it mean, really? <laughs> it means everything. <laughs> you know, we just make these little things, man. Yeah. Um, you know, it's artists. We're helping artists um, engage their artistry. Oh, my. It's a lot of art. That is a lot of art. All right. So, all right. So, uh, you kind of had a, a successful photography business yeah. doing wedding photography, um, family photography, portraits, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you as far as um, ever since I've known you, you have been the guy who is like the business idea guy. Like, I don't think there was a time that we got together where you didn't say, I had an idea. I mean, you thought of like like online photo libraries before there was online photo libraries. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. And so, um, and I know you've, you know, you've been into a lot of different things and you kind of have that, 
you know, passion for ideas and, and whatnot. Um, and so Artisan, Artisan Obscure is kind of like uh, another birth of uh, an idea. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, how that came about and, you know, why yeah. you, you started it, you know? I mean, first off, uh, where all these ideas come from and me just being bizarro is, you know, I love doing everything. Um, I love, obviously, I love travel and, and seeing new cool inventions and, and pretty much everything. I love seeing all of it. And so what I, I feel like what I do fairly well is that all costs money and not everyone, no one really can, can sustain a life of that. So what I try to do is how to offset that. Well, are there people that would pay me to do this thing? You know, develop whatever it is. And that's how businesses come because I have a cool idea and I just assume that there's a sphere of influence there that would think it's also cool. And if I could sell it or whatever, then it paves the way for me to not not make money, but just to do the thing that I set out to do, the passion. Uh, Artisan Obscura. Okay. Um, here's the, the nickel tour on that. Simple. They're just shutter release buttons and hot shoe covers. They're small little pieces of wood that when placed on your camera, look pretty. They're photo, they're camera jewelry. Uh, the difference is, is they serve, say, a, a minimal function and they sparkle while they do it. And the value therein, in my opinion, which is so vital, is does it inspire you to pick up your camera and to go out and make a picture that you wouldn't otherwise do. Because as we do this for a living um, and pick up our cameras on a daily basis, the uh, natural tendency is you get uninspired and it just sits there. So can you create products that would inspire people to pick up a camera and get out there and do something? Um, and, you know, the way that that whole idea came about was a, a mutual friend of ours, Preston, and I were shooting a wedding and on our way back, um, I had just got a, a new camera, this little Fuji, and it happened to have a, um, a little shutter port where you would put in a, like a little plunger. So people that want to take uh, long exposures and that uh -huh. sort of thing. Anyway, uh, and he, I just picked up a camera, uh, bought one and and he gave me a little shutter button as a gift. Um, he had bought it on eBay from China and it was plastic, whatever. I, I thought, this is amazing. This opened up this world of cool, vibey. It, it flooded a passion. Uh, you right. know, I wanted you to go, wanted to shoot I pictures more. I want to push that button. <laughs> yeah, man. Who doesn't want to push the cool <laughs> Who thing? Who doesn't want to push buttons? So, um, and it, uh, so all of the stars aligned because we had that conversation. I had just photographed a wedding of uh, a wonderful couple whose – um, groomsmen happened to make uh, he, uh, the groomsmen owned a company that makes uh, wood plugs for your ears and just kind of um, you know earrings. And I thought, man, that looks very very similar to this shutter button. And I love wood. I was carving at the right. time, making yeah, spoons, making stuff. <laughs> Just being weird. Uh, <laughs> being Steve. Yeah, I got a lot of time on my hands, apparently. Uh, so I um, talked to Preston and uh, talked to another gentleman named John, and 
we all together formed uh, what we called Artisan Obscura to make these little buttons uh, with really the only premise was to make buttons that we would love. So I didn't, I didn't even know we'd sell as many as we did. I figured we'd just sell them out of the trunk and hopefully we'd pay for our initial investment. But we just wanted cool stuff. And this was, I don't know if it was pre, um, what do they have now? They have uh, Kickstarters. Yeah. I don't know if it was pre- Indiegogo or Yeah, all that stuff. I think this was pre that. So we okay. just kind of manned up and ponied up the dough and did the thing. But it, uh, we hit a nerve, a, a wonderful nerve, and made them available for everybody. Again, listened to our audience and listened to our clientele and gave them what they wanted. And, and it exploded um, to a degree that within a few short months, I mean, we, uh, Preston and I both, had – so much work that we had to offset all of that labor, which we did through another friend um, using the marginalized uh, in Denver to uh, as the operations department, basically. They would put it together and ship it and customize it and that sort of thing. Huh. So there. <laughs> there you have it. The button story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, it's just a I think I don't know. I hope people are taking nuggets because um, I don't. I, I don't know if I ever saw buttons as a uh, like how to monetize anything. I don't know if any of my business ideas I ever for had a forethought to monetize. I think what happens is I saw a thing that I knew I wanted and I couldn't live without, hmm. and I put the effort in to seeing it to fruition. And then what happened is I became inclusive. And in that, I mean, I, I allowed everybody else to enjoy it or have it this, and hopefully share in that same passion for it that I have. And that is the magic. That is the ingredient. If, if, if business, if, it, if, if a successful business is a wonderful, beautiful cake, that's the ingredients. Get passionate about something. So much so that you'll stop at nothing to see it to fruition and be inclusive and allow everybody to eat of it. Do you think, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times in, um, you know, creative space, entrepreneur, um, a lot of people hold a lot of stuff tight, their cards tight because they're afraid like, oh, if I share this or include other people, um, you know, that will make me less special or they'll know my secrets and then I won't you know, they'll be able to do it just like me. I and mean, what are your thoughts on that as far as, you know, when you're including other people into what you're doing, are you ever afraid, like, you know? Mm. I think it's a good question. I, I truly am not. It, I have thought the thought, uh, what if somebody goes out and does the thing before me or rips me off or something like that? As a matter of fact, I mean, Artists in Obscure, we started as the only uh, – sort of artsy shutter button company out there. Like I said, we bought them previously, but just wholesale via China. Um, and now, uh, so five years later after the, the company got started, there's half a dozen companies, if not more, uh, selling the exact same stuff we are. Uh, no matter what, capital, uh, capital will breed competition. That's just a fact. Uh, I am not scared of it. I think I like it. As a matter of fact, it probably encourages me more than anything because it tells me what I'm doing is right. If more people are flooding into the market doing what I'm doing, I'm probably in a good position. 
you know, we were talking Bitcoin, we were talking cryptocurrency and uh, <laughs> stocks and stuff. And I would say the same thing. I mean, yeah. if you bought a stock based purely on passion and you really believed in the yeah. company, and then all of a sudden, uh, everyone caught on to that fact and flooded in, I'd say you were in a pretty good position. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, the only stocks I ever bought were two that I really believed in. One was Chipotle. <laughs> Because yeah. before they went public, I'd go to restaurants and be like, this is the best burrito. And then everyone I, everywhere I'd go, it was like line out the door. So I knew this is going to be big. Yeah, right. And, and then Apple stock, I you know, got some of that. <laughs> Did you? Pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, that's the secret. So, I know, wonder if Warren Buffett would say the same. I don't know. Probably but. not. We don't give out financial <laughs> advice here. Okay. We are not financial advisors no. in any means. Um, but bigger than that, bro, listen, yeah. I mean, this. I think this is where we always talk. This is where when you and I have coffee or lunch or whatever, we always end up on some topic like this, which is I don't think we're ever after money. I mean, I'm not after money. I'm not after – there's not a certain amount of it that would make my life better or happier. Um, I think I'm after a life, uh, just a life. Uh, obviously, I've got uh, a wife and two sons, and I want not to do right by them, but to do better than that, uh, to show them what life could look like. So I want to uh, travel with my sons and, and show them the world and do all of this sort of stuff. I, want, I look at my wife and, and what she wants to do if she wants to see a certain uh, different part of the world or whatever she wants to do, and I want to give that to them. I want to live a life uh, that honors them and me. And whatever dollar amount that is, then let it be so, and we can work business into that metric. But I don't follow uh, the money. I think what happens is I get to do whatever I want, and the money follows. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, then that's, I think that's, um, I think that's the, the scary part, you know? of, I think for a lot of creatives, I feel like that it's, sometimes I feel like it's easier to say that than to actually do it, right? Like do something that you're passionate about or that you, you know, that you love and the money will come. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes that's easier said than done. You're totally right. I yeah. know. I know that's a kind of a loaded thing to say, but you and I are a testament to it. I mean, yeah. I, I can consider myself successfully unemployed for over a decade and gainfully unemployable really i feel like i'm the i would be the worst employee in the world I've got no skills yeah i've got none I've, I've got no ability or attention span to sit at a desk you're lucky i'm sitting here right now i, I just want to get up uh but i think what it's done is it's it's just also reinforced this identity in me of and again i'll keep saying my clients but I'm using that word because I want to make sure that everybody, you know, catches on to, hey, this guy's a wedding photographer and I talk about my wedding clients, i.e. Mm -hmm. the people getting married. But, you know, I've always had a motto that is I want to make my clients my friends and I want to make my friends my family. That's my motto and my trajectory in life. And so by honoring my clients, uh, hopefully uh, – by honoring my clients the best way I know how uh, and giving, making sure that they know I'm giving all of who I am to them, uh, then I end up gaining a world of friends 
whom I love being in their lives. Now, yes, monetarily, we're always looking for ways to connect, such as now they're married, so they're going to have a kid. Hey, uh, photograph everything from maternity to that. That is awesome. I love photographing the lives of my clients. But it extends far greater than that. I mean, uh, when you get to travel to another country and just have a coffee with people that you haven't photographed in a few years, it's wonderful. Or that give you um, suggestions on what to do or that they come into town. Um, I would I would love to put this out into the ether, the Facebook uh, media ether is – Dare, dare I say that my um, – what I would love in life the most is develop or be a part of a community that values me uh, and my passions and then – or not and then, but as well as me valuing them and their passions and that all of a sudden we get this um, – ethos, uh, this community of, of people who mutually support one another. And can we live perpetually in that? Hmm. Uh, the ultimate community. The ultimate community, you know, all inclusive all the time. You know, coming up, did you have um, mentors or did you seek out mentors, you know, when you were kind of, I know you had mentioned yeah, Rod, Rod, that, you know, he played a big role. Was that more of a, a business role in your life, like giving you advice or just believing in you and giving you the opportunity to pursue your dreams? Yeah. I, I mean, I think initially it was probably uh, business advice, but hopefully like any good mentor and certainly the ones that I would consider mentors would do both. Uh in and of who they are. Um, did just, you ever did you ever seek out mentors like, or did it just by chance people around you or you know, in your life did that? Yeah, you know. I mean, I don't know if I ever sought out a mentor per se. I think I just I've always been aware, and so like you, I know we're we've been friends for a long time, and I think as we uh, interact and, and grow in our own endeavors. There's a lot of ways that then you're a mentor to me. You go out and explore the uncharted uh, things that you like to do. And I find um, great wealth of knowledge and resource in that. Um, maybe, maybe better said would be, I want to be a constant student. And so anyone willing to teach or give information, I'm willing to listen. So many of my friends, if not all of my friends, that I would consider my close-knit circle of friends, I would also consider mentors uh, because they are just a wealth of knowledge and experience and wisdom, and I soak it all up. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so hopefully, if it's reciprocated, then uh, for some of my friends, then I become the mentor. But uh, and then, and then likewise, that they're a mentor for me. But I didn't seek out to find anyone per se. Um, I think what happens is you uh, – it's like a solving a problem. Um, business to me, so I'll sort of circle back into the business aspect. Um, if I'm trying to solve a problem, which is how do I create a thing – uh, the thing doesn't exist yet, but I want it created. Widget. So I got to seek out whomever has the ability and uh, wisdom to make the thing. And 
let's just call them mentors for a time. Now the thing is made and I've got to launch this. I got to, I got to get this out there. Well, then I'm going to seek out people who uh, know how to do that. And I would consider those mentors. So without me ever going to college or uh, having a formal education of any kind, I think what happened is I'm, the world is my mentor hmm. uh, and my learning platform. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so resources. I want to mm. kind of offer, are there things that you're into or uh, things that you find helpful that maybe fill you up? Um, uh, you know, whether inspire you or whatnot. So are there certain things that you go to? What is it like books or, or websites or, you know, whatever yeah. that may be that you're like, yeah, like if you're into this, you should check out such and X, such. Y, and Z. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, a friend of ours, mentor of mine, Preston would definitely got me hooked on this stuff. Uh, as a photographer and pick up monographs, pick up photo books, by other photographers in all genres and just stew on that for a while. Let it be in your life. Let it sit on your library shelves and just let it sort of permeate into who you are. Mm -hmm. That uh, is a huge source of uh, inspiration for me um, because it's, you know, it, oh man. And I don't want to, I don't want to jump into this, but it gets into some really cool stuff because like art, like what is art? And it's this kind of crazy, uh, unhandleable uh, ball. Um, so when I, when I say that, I don't know how to create anything, but I know how to, uh, sort of see what it is. And let's just say, uh, an analogy would be like, um, a rock moving, you know, downhill in order. And that rock is art as it moves, it's creativity. It's generating these ideas and, and new ways of thinking. Well, that first off that rock is just sitting motionless and no interesting ideas are coming off of it. But as soon as we start looking outside of our own spheres, uh, maybe to what other people have done or uh, whatever, what have you, It'll, it'll click. Something will click. Um, it could be a pattern on a dress or the way that someone photographed the light in a certain way. Um, those photo books help so much with that because um, how they ended up getting a photograph is intrinsic to them. But the result sparked a thing in me that got the ball mo moving mm -hmm. uh, that I can bleed into this other aspect of what it is that I'm doing. Right. I think that's music's very similar because I know, you know, when I was you know younger, I was in a, a musician and all that stuff. And it was usually me listening to other bands and other music that would inspire me to create. You know, I would listen to a song and say, oh, I want to I want to write a song like that, you know, or, mm. I, or I hear a lyric and be like, oh, that lyric was like awesome. Like the idea that it's it sparked, you know, and so I could see how, um, you know, just absorbing other people's art then in turn inspire, inspires you to, you know, create. Yeah, absolutely. You know? A good, um, this, this would be a good, a good example of this would be uh, Annie Leibovitz, um, photographer I love. I think she's deeply inspirational. Um, she has a series, it's got to be one of my favorite series, but um, she took like, uh, I think the image in my mind is Mikhail Baryshnikov. She took this grand piano and she took Mikhail uh, out into the woods and she laid out this 
a white seamless, probably gray seamless because it's Annie, um, on the ground. But you're colorblind, so <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking white and grays okay. here, buddy. I mean, it could be red. <laughs> uh, but she lays this down, and then she's got Mikael sort of doing this this ballet move um, while he's in midair um, jumping on the top of this piano. Uh, but the way that she shot it, the thing that I grabbed off of that beautiful photo was that she chose to leave um, the extra bits of the frame in there. Uh, instead, of, instead of photographing only what's in the gray seamless, she pulled out and allowed the surroundings to encroach or be a part of that frame. For some reason, it stuck in me. I loved it. So I went about uh, collecting old uh, projector screens, and then I would put people in front of the projector screen to sort of take a chunk out of their world so that that way your eye can digest them wholly um, as individuals but leaving the rest of the world intact and, and photographing that. So they're in the world, but they're, they're pulled away from it. Um, playing with that uh, chemistry a little bit. But that's how the ideas would roll. Um, yeah, just as a matter of fact, that's the fun of it. That's what keeps me in the game anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right? What's uh, one book that you know, you've read or something that you – always share with people or you know i know i've bought certain books that i'm like oh you have to read this book mm. and you know, usually people are like i don't want to read your book <laughs> thanks sure, sure. <laughs> but i'm like it changed my life <laughs> you need to read this book <laughs> yeah man i mean i think there's a lot of them um photo photo books some that are i think amazing to me is there's a guy named penty i'm gonna jack up his last name but it's like penty uh, Sam Holly, I think. Uh, S-A-M-M, a lot of other letters. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you can Google that and you'll find it. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful photo book uh, that I find deeply inspirational. I'd give it to anybody. And if you are an artist in any capacity, it'll just inspire you to go do. Um, you know, like a practical book that I think uh, gives quite a few nuggets of wisdom. Um, I would... What would I say? I mean, I, I really loved uh, you know Steve Jobs' book, and I really loved the Starbucks experience. I thought both of those were good reads and kind of poked at the box a little bit, mm -hmm. um, you know. But I, I don't know. I don't know on that regard. I have to put a pin in it, if you will, because yeah. I don't know if I have this the book. The book. I know you read a lot, but I do. I like novels. The Hobbit, dude. I'm in my head so much. <laughs> I don't need practicality. I need other worlds. I need checked out. Right. So I, I go way out there. Yeah. But um, what are you like? What's, what, what's your book? Hey, man, this is my interview to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm. Uh, there's a few different books. There's one guy currently that I'm uh, really on. I, I really love business books. Okay. You know, inspirational books, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's, you know, that's what I'm into. Yeah, that's your stick. Yeah. Um, uh, and so this guy named Mike Mikowitz, I think is how you say his name. Yeah. And he has two books that I've read recently. One is called um, The Pumpkin Plan, uh, which is really great. And then another one is called um, Profit First. And what I love about that book is it really talks about 
uh, as an entrepreneur, how money comes and, and, and spurts, you know, it's not like you're getting a paycheck every two weeks. And so he really talks about managing your finances in a way that works with that kind of system so that you can, um, you know, have a profit and, and grow your, your business. So. Sure. I mean, in that vein, and I'm not trying to <laughs> one up you because oh. I haven't read that book, man. I mean, it's probably a face melter. Who knows? I mean, it certainly sounds like a page turner to me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, the uh, War of Art is really good. Okay. You know, these are old standards. The Art of War? No, it's the War of oh, Art. Ooh, oh. Clever. Don't you do the thing. Um, yeah, the War of Art. If you haven't uh, read it, read it. It's amazing. Okay. Um but I even find a really great inspiration. Um, a friend of mine got me hooked onto audiobooks. So I love, I love audiobooks. audiobooks. Yeah. Um, but there's one, Stephen King has a book called On Writing. And it's just the way he, it's, it's, it's a, a history of hmm. what he's gone through to become who he is. And then a history of writing a lot of the well-known books that you know today. But what's awesome, it's an amazing, amazing book, super inspirational. Here's an artist and his way of, of getting out uh, what he wants to say, but he reads it too. So you get it straight from the horse's mouth. It's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, cool, man. You know, I, How are we doing on time? I what? think we're good. I mean, it's we, we're an hour in. Are we really? Yeah. And we haven't even talked about your favorite food. <laughs> Obviously, you don't have a favorite color because you're colorblind. Yeah, man, it's just like a medium Is there certain gray. colors you can see? Like, is it... Uh, I can see color. I mean... Uh, uh, it's just different. This is what, what we're ending on? <laughs> let's, let's go back to your faults. <laughs> your flaws. <clears throat> no. Um, yeah, you know, I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, you know, Steve uh, played a huge role in where I'm at today because... Um, when I was kind of in transition from the music world into the corporate world, uh, I realized that I had no skills. And um, Steve was like, hey, have you ever thought about doing video? <laughs> I do photography. And I need someone to do video at this wedding. And so I picked up a video camera. And then um, it kind of all just sailed from there. And, and then, you know, Steve taught me everything about photography. Um you know, and, and picked up a camera and started doing photography. I think you gave me my first lens. I think you gave me, yeah, you gave Did me I? a Nikon. It was a great lens, too. It was like a 51.4. Oh. Yeah. And then I had another friend who gave me an old, uh, I think it was 70D. Was that? Or yeah, that's D70, a thing. A Nikon D70? Yeah. Because, you know, you were a Nikon guy back in the day. Was... <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. I know. Look at you now. Are you back to Nikon or are you a Fuji? I like Nikon. I, okay. uh, I, I just got rid of Nikon, but okay. I love them. Yeah. They have the D850. It's great. But I am a Fuji man. Okay. The Fuji man. <laughs> Elitist. Yeah, I'm not sponsored by them. Come on, Fuji. <laughs> I mean, I'm repping for you all the time. Sponsor my guy. Okay? <laughs> yeah, you're always hashtagging Fuji. I know. Blah, blah, I'm blah. really trying. Now you guys understand. The, the struggle <laughs> is real here, people. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, cool, man. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything you want to part with? Uh, you know, where can people follow you? Where can they, you know, you know, see your art, and um, you know, get in touch with you? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. First of all, I love jaw jacking with you, my friend. Uh, if you want to, you certainly can go to stevestantonphotography.com. You'll see all of my wedding uh, and sort of portrait work. 
Uh, I also have another more personal website, which is thelifeofstevestanton.com, which is kind of a container for just all of my weirdness, uh, from everything from my it's kids to whatever. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. It's um, a huge container. <laughs> but that will uh, – I'm more excited about that, actually, because uh, here in the very, very near future, uh, that is going to transition into uh, an outlet for what I would consider my fine art, um, which is just – let's just call it wall hangers. But you know, just a little inspiration wall hanger. So nice. Steve Stan Photography and the life of Steve Stanton is where you can find me. Cool. And Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, stuff. same deal. Steve Stan Photography handle uh, and then at life of Steve Stanton. Uh, okay. b- basically, I'm trying to own my own name. So <laughs> if you can Google Steve Stanton, you may find some other people, but hopefully you find me <laughs> somewhere. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Thanks so much for being on the show. And as always, um, don't forget to uh, subscribe uh, uh, to our uh, or like our Facebook page and join the Facebook group. Um, And then as more and more shows uh, come out, we'll be launching on iTunes as a podcast. And uh, then you can subscribe to it and just listen to the audio portions of this. Um, But hey, we uh, Rosa Maria says, hey, Steve. Do you know Rosa Maria? Hey, Rosa Maria. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know off the cuff, but that's amazing. But there's a lot of people. You know? <laughs> You're famous, Steve. Okay. Oh, dude. A little bit of fame here. Well, great. All right, guys. We'll see you when we see you. And um, have a great weekend. Yeah. Thanks, bro. <laughs>